The Word of God is our life. Amen. And uh, we spoke last week about Jesus being the light of the world. And so we just want to prepare our hearts for the Word. And uh, just let's just have a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your good Word. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us, enabled us, Father, to know you and to know your wonders of your Word, Lord God. And we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will, uh, Father, uh, move in our lives, Lord, that your Word, Father, will... Uh, be inscribed upon our hearts. Lord, we give entrance to your word. We want to hear your word. We receive your word with thanksgiving, Lord God, that it will, uh, Father, show us what is true. Illuminate the truth to us, Father, continually through your word. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the word of God that is our life and our guide. We said last week that uh, Jesus is the light of the world. Remember we says that there's no light bulb made that can you can put outside and turn it on and it just it makes everything dark. You cannot put a light bulb on that'll make everything dark, but you go into a dark room with a light bulb, you put it on and what happens? It dispels the darkness. Truth is like that. The truth of God is like that. Nothing can darken it. It will always shine forth the truth of God because uh, the Holy Spirit makes it shine forth. The devil tries to, uh, to, to cover it, but it can never be hidden to those who truly want to seek the Word of God. And so the Word of God is our light, our light to see what is really true, because the world and the, and the devil try to, to blind our eyes with deceit and with lies. We grow up in this world hearing all manner of things and all sorts of things. Everybody tells us what they think is right and what they think is good and what they think is the way. As my sister was saying this morning with uh, evolution, evolution is a theory. You know what a theory is? A theory is a thought of man that he, what he thinks. A theory is not a scientific fact. It is a man's thought that tries to be proven scientifically. So evolution is a thought of a man that is trying to be proven. But it never will be, and it never can be, and uh, there's too many gaps. And as a matter of fact, many of your major scientists have looked down upon evolution and said that anyone who believes in it is a fool. These are what scientists, top scientists, have said as they studied it. And so now, as she said, everything is going to a higher intelligence. There's a higher intelligence, and we know who that is. We know it's the Word of God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we want to continue to see the light that God's Word uh, illuminates us to. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse number 14, the Word of God says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes may in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. For every, uh, 
We want to just uh, stop right there. The Bible in, the, in those verses there, at least three or four times, it shows us the truth. God is trying to, when somebody tells you something three or four times in a row, what do you think they're trying to do? You think they're trying to get a, what they say, a point across? Huh? How many times do you try and tell your children, come on, stop that, I heard it now. But when God tries to tell us something three, four times in a row, He wants to get our ear. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to get something across here that is real, that is true, and then you need to pay attention to it. In those verses alone, in verse number 15, why did Jesus come? And we said last week, He came to be the light, to be the Savior of the world, the light. And here in verse 15, the Bible says that whoever believes may in Him, in who? In Jesus, have eternal life. So God is saying that in Him, in Jesus, there is eternal life. Not life from... From birth to age 60 or 70 or 80, you know, we live, we live a course of this life that does, is not eternal. How many of you know we don't live eternally in these bodies and in this life? There's a day comes when we depart this body. You buy, drive by any cemetery and you'll see them digging holes because someone has uh, left this physical body. But the Bible says that in Him, in Jesus, there is eternal life. There's life beyond this life that we know here in this body. That's in verse 15. In verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Two, two verses in a row. That if you believe on Jesus, you have eternal life. If you believe on Jesus, you have eternal life. Two verses, at least two verses there in a row. Verse number 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge, but that the world through Him would be what? Saved. God said He's the Savior. In Him, He will save you and you will have eternal life. And in verse number 18, He who believes in Jesus is not judged. And so there you see that God, through Christ, saves you. He doesn't, he's not going to judge you because in Christ you're already judged and in Christ you have eternal life. What does that mean? That means that Jesus, as the Bible says, is the Savior of the world. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21, where it says, uh, the prophecy that says that you will have a son, you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. He will be a savior. He will save his people from what? From drowning? No. He will save his people from stubbing their toe? No. He will save his people from sin. From their sins. And so the Bible tells us that we need to be saved or rescued. You know what it means to be rescued? When you're in a situation that you can't get out of, if a man is in the middle of the ocean and the boat sinks and there he is floating in the middle of nowhere, he needs to be saved. How many of you know that? And especially if you see sharks starting to come around, he needs to be saved quickly, right? He's not going to be lounging out there saying, oh, well, what a nice afternoon, you know, with sharks swimming. He needs salvation. The Bible says that our sins is what we need to be saved from. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 23, says that Christ is the head of the church, 
the head of his uh, of his body, but he says he is the. How many of you know that you and I make up the body of Christ? The Bible says that when you're born again, you become part of a group, part of what is called the body of Christ, and that Jesus Christ is our head. And so the Bible says in verse 23, being himself the Savior of the what? Of the body. Not the Savior of the pinky. Not the Savior of the, of the, of the right hand. You know, some of us think we're, we're greater than others, but in the body, every part is equal and every part has an important function. We, we cannot do without the pinky. And so the, the Bible says he's the savior of the body of Christ. All of us he has saved. There's no part of the body that he's not the savior of. He's the savior of the body. And so we see that, that Jesus, the Word of God, says that He is the Savior. He has come to save us. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, the Bible makes very clear that the light shines on the Word of God and it, and it brings truth to us. And we see, because we wonder, how is there? how can we be uh, set free? If we need a salvation, which we do, if we need to be saved, how? Can we be saved? Who can save us? And the Bible says Jesus. And others will say, well, you can be saved this way. You can be saved that way. You can be saved by uh, doing uh, walking down the street 50,000 times back and forth, and then you, you, you might make it. But the Bible says here in Acts 4 that there is no other, there is none other is there salvation for, neither is there any name under heaven that is given among men wherein we must be saved. There's no other way, no other name, but the name of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what has Jesus come to save us from? Why do we need to be saved? And, and uh, what, what's the big deal about being saved? What is this? You know, what, what, is sin, what is it all about? Well, if we go to Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, we see that salvation, that the, Jesus has come to deliver us from, from many things, from what is called sin, what is called evil. Back in the Garden of Eden, and I have said this, and, and you need to listen to what is being said, of the, what the Word of God tells us. Back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were walking with God, God said in their midst, the tree of the knowledge. You know what knowledge means? That you want to understand something. How many of you go to school because you want to gain knowledge? You want to learn something. How many of you get on a computer because you want to learn something? Knowledge is, is something that everyone, in some area of life, you, everyone is seeking knowledge. Because knowledge increases. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge shall increase. Everyone, You know, when you think of those who work in computer fields, computers, how many of you know, are going from, from increase to increase. What is good today is outdated tomorrow. Why? Because of the increase of knowledge, knowing things. And so people get involved. They want to know things. And, and some things pull people more. You, some people start studying more in one area than another. If you want to be a doctor, you start getting knowledge about what? How to raise chickens? No, you, you gain knowledge of how to, uh, to learn about medicine and, and treat people, right? You know what I'm saying? You, there's, you pursue that which, which you want. And in the Garden of Eden, the, the Bible says that God put the knowledge 
of the tree of good and of evil. There was a choice there. And what did Adam and Eve uh, do? Both of them made a choice to know evil. And you say, well, that was them. That wasn't me. Well, yes, it was you and I, because we are all of the same stock. We are all of the same because we were all, were all born flesh and blood. And they chose to know evil. They wanted to become intimate with knowing evil. And so God gave them their desire. He gave them their wish. He didn't want them to do that, but because they chose to do it, he says, okay, that now you're going to know it, but you cannot know it here. He put them out of the garden, and he put us in a place where we are now. And here is where we're going to experience everything that is evil. And now, so evil is here not because God put us here, but because we chose to be here to know it. Now, some people, once they see what evil is all about, some people want to know more about it and increase in it. How many of you know there are those who delight in doing things that are wrong, that are evil? They don't want to change. They don't want to know good. They want to know evil. Just turn on the news and you'll see how many people there are in this life that choose to know evil. But God gives us a choice even today. And God set a time frame around us in which we have a choice. Do you want to continue to know evil or do you want to continue to, or do you want to now choose to get out of knowing evil and start knowing what is good and what is right? And do you want to live the rest of your life knowing goodness and righteousness or do you want to spend the rest of your life knowing what is evil and wicked? So God leaves the choice to us. God isn't a cruel and unjust God. He's a wonderful, merciful God who gives us an opportunity of escape. A way out of knowing what is evil. And so, when you see sickness around you, why, why is there sickness? Because it's, again, knowing suffering. Knowing suffering is knowing evil. And knowing the things that are not pure and holy and righteous and just. And so, why does someone suffer? Because the choice of mankind was to know evil. And so when we see suffering, we want to say, I don't want to know suffering anymore. I want to, I want to know healing. I want to know wholeness. I want to, and so the choice is ours to know God or, or to know evil. And so the choice is daily. And so God is there. Jesus came to say, here I am. If you want out of knowing evil, come to me. If you want deliverance from that stuff, come to me. If you want to continue in that stuff, then the Bible says here, if you continue reading in John, it says that many loved the darkness and would not come into the light of Christ. So Jesus came to call everyone to say, listen, do you want to get out of this knowledge of evil or do you delight in it and want to continue? God gives us the, the way of escape. And so that's why when we come to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to live differently. I want to know the truth. I want to be set free. I'm tired, sick and tired of this evil. And I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be a partaker. And you say, well, I'm not a partaker of evil. Yes, you are. If you're not born again, every one of us here in some way, manner, shape, or form has partaken of evil. How many of you have done something that was naughty or you knew wasn't right and you just giggled and thought it was so funny that you did it, right? So what were you doing? You were doing, you were wanting to know evil. And that takes you deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like anything else. It sucks you in, like quicksand. 
Once you're in it, it starts bringing you down. And eventually, what? You cannot get out. How many of you know when you're in quicksand, you cannot get out? And eventually, it will cover you and you will die. And that is what sin and evil does to a man, to his soul and to his spirit. It drags them down until they eventually die in sin. And they will never know the goodness and the mercy and the love of the Lord. But Jesus has come to be a Savior of the Lord. And so in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, the choice. Life is about choices. Every day that we wake up, every day that we live, we have a choice to make. Do we want, do we want sin? Do we want to know that way that is against the ways of God? Or do we want to know the free gift of God, eternal life, which is the Word of God that will lead us into eternal life? So the choice is, the choice is ours. Sin has a power in, in verse number, Romans chapter 6, verse number 17. God can deliver us from the wages of sin. When you go to work, you work how many days, how many hours, and at the end of your work week, what do you do? You get a paycheck, and that paycheck comes to you because you earned it, right? You're going to go and say, I, I earned my pay, I want it, give it to me. And so there goes the paycheck into your hand, right? And so the Bible says that if we partake, if we walk in ways that are not the ways of the Lord, we're going to get a paycheck one day, and that paycheck is going to be death, spiritual separation from God, because we chose willingly not to know Him. When you go to work, you're not forced to go to work. No one is, you're not in a, in a, in a country that uh, you have no choice. You can call up and say, oh, I'm sick today, I'm not coming in. I'll, I just don't feel like it. My big toe is hurting and I'm going to stay home. You have a choice to go to work or not to go to work. And if you go to work, you're going to receive the wages. And so when you partake of evil and sin, when you walk in the ways that are not God's ways, you're eventually going to get that paycheck. But Jesus says, you know what? I can cancel that paycheck and I can give you my paycheck. You can come and, and receive that my gift, the free gift of eternal life in me. And here it says in Romans 6.17, it says, But thanks be to God that whereas you were servants of sin, servants of sin, meaning you were slaves of sin. Sin enslaves you. Once you get caught up in walking in the ways that are not God's ways, you become addicted. You become enslaved to those things and you find out that you cannot break out of it. Why can't alcoholics break, break out of being an alcoholic? Why can't drug addiction, why can't those who are addicted to, drug, yeah, addicted to drugs break out? You know, they got all kinds of programs that try to help, but nothing really works. But when they give their lives to Jesus, we hear it time and again. Jesus transforms their lives and He makes new creations out of them. They are no more slaves, servants to that alcohol or those drugs or abuse or whatever it is that will have them enslaved. Now they're new creations in Christ. So God delivers us from the wages of sin, not death, separation, but life with God, and not slaves to sin, but now we choose to be slaves to the love of God. We want God's love to never let us go. I want to be a slave to the love of God. I want, I say, Lord, in, 
Keep me. Lock me up in your love. Lock me up in your mercy. Lock me up in your grace. Lock me up in your forgiveness and goodness. I never want to get out of that. So it's good to be enslaved to the things of God. His mercy, His love that endures forever. I don't want to be enslaved to the things that are going to make me puke and vomit and get sick and, and, and die and feel that. I don't want to be enslaved to those things. I want to be enslaved to the blessings of God. And God says He'll deliver you from from uh, being slaves of sin into being obedient to the things of God. And he says in First John chapter 2, verse number 1, As long as we live in this life, there is always going to be before us the choice to go do something that we shouldn't do. There's always going to be that enticement by your friends, by your neighbors, by your family, maybe even by your parents to go do something that is not right in the eyes of God. And you know what? As long as we live in this world, as long as we wake up in the morning and have life, we're going to be tempted and we're going to be, we're going to face enticements. We're going to hear things and it's going to say, come on, I'll forget that and come along with us and have a good time, but you're not really going to have a good time. And they're going to say, go. And you're going to go do things and you're going to say, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? Lord, forgive me. And the Bible says that, uh, well, that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is there to save us when we fall. When we do something in the course of this life that we shouldn't have done, and we look to heaven and say, Lord, forgive me. He is there to quickly save you and redeem you, uh, wash you clean once again. So He not only initially saves us out of darkness, but He continually now makes us, uh, He frees us from being servants to that, to be servants of His. And He knows that as we journey through life, if we stumble and fall, that, you know, we shouldn't be looked upon by others and beaten and say, ah, you failed, ah, you messed up. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I feel, yeah, but I have a Lord who loves me and saves me, a Savior who is there continually for me. In the, in the book of Numbers, chapter number 21, I want you to go there, 21, verses number 3 to 9. In the Gospel of John that we just read, the Bible says, that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man, so must Jesus be lifted up. You know what it means? It means like what we're doing here this morning. We're lifting up the Word of God. We're lifting up Jesus Christ. We're not lifting up anything but the Word of God because He is the one. He, The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. There is an account in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And let me just go to it real quickly. Uh, and you say, yeah, what has the Old Testament got to do with me? It deals with people. We are people. People never change. We are always the same. We can have a different color skin. We can be in a different nation. We could be, uh, but we're all the same. People are people are people are people. And here, back in chapter 19, uh, where did I say, chapter 21, the Israelites, their enemy, the Canaanites, were, were, were defeating them. And the people cried out, how many of you know, when you're in a tight, when you're in trouble, you always cry out, help, right? Does anybody know someone who, who doesn't get into deep trouble that doesn't say, hey, somebody help me, can somebody help me here? Here they were in trouble. They were defeated by the Canaanites, and they're crying out to the Lord. You know, they're saying, Lord, help us have victory here, and we'll follow you. We'll walk in your ways. You ever do that? You ever make a promise to somebody, hey, if you get me out of this, I'll be good. You know, if you get me out of this here, I'll really, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take out the trash and whatever, you know. And so here they were crying to God to help deliver them. And so what does God do? God has mercy on them, and He says, okay. 
He delivers them from the Canaanites. He gives them the victory. And so in verse number 3, And the Lord heard the voice of Israel, and he delivered up the Canaanites, and then they utterly destroyed them in their cities, and thus the name of the place was called Hormah. And then, after they got the victory, now they called to God, they cried out, Help us! Give us help! God comes and helps them, makes them victorious. Now here they go. They're marching down the road, right? They're all victorious. They're all happy. And they're walking down the road. They set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. And it says that here they became discouraged because of the way. You imagine these people. Here they are. They, they cry out to God, help us, deliver us. They get saved. God delivers them. He gets saved. And now they're walking on their journey. And they're walking in the wilderness now. And now they're coming, now it says, because of the way they had to walk, they started to get discouraged. God said to them, I'll give you the victory and I'll provide for you. And he gave them manna from heaven. It supernaturally came down. God supernaturally provided for them. And the Bible says that they got discouraged because they had to walk this way. And how many of us get discouraged because the Bible says we need to walk with Jesus. And, and the Bible, this is our manna. And how many of us say, the Word of God, i got to read the Word of God again. Is the, do we really got to study the Word of God again? And this is the manna from heaven for you and I. And we should never get discouraged because of the journey that we're going through in life. Sometimes we, we come to the Lord, the Lord delivers us, he, he gives us victory like He did them. We got the victory where? At Calvary's cross through Jesus when we came to Him and He saved us. So it's like us being saved like they were saved and then walking away and saying, Man, you know, do I really got to study the Word of God? Do I really got to read and meditate on the Word of God? That's like discouraging. When you see things in life happen and you say, Man, is this what I get for following God? I got to go through all this here. And people start grumbling and complaining and they start blaming God because of things they go through in their journey. Not knowing that God is walking with them in that journey. God is providing for them in that journey. The Bible says, when you go through the waters, you will not drown. Why? Because I'll be there with you. When you go through the fires of life, you will not burn. Because why? I'll be there with you. God is walking alongside of you on this journey of life. And every one of you have a different walk, a different journey that God has set for your life. He's not set us all on the same road. He set every one of us on a separate course through life. And some of us will face many hardships and many trials. But God has a purpose, a good purpose and a good plan for your life that only you can walk that road. And only you can make your light shine on that road. And so God is dependent on you, counting on you to go forth on your journey. And as hard as it gets, as tough as it may seem, you can't make it on your own. No, God doesn't want you to make it on your own. God wants you to walk that journey with Him. Walk the walk with the Lord God by your side to know that He will never leave you and never forsake you. That's what the Word of God says. I will never forsake you, never leave you on your journey. Don't ever forget that, says the Lord. And so as we go through life, He wants us. And He was with them in their journey in the wilderness. They couldn't see Him, but He was there. And He was providing for them. And they started grumbling and complaining and saying, Oh, we had it much better way back there. Maybe we should go back. And they started complaining about to God. And then they, then they looked to Moses. They looked to the pastor and they said, 
How about you? You're, you're teaching us to walk this way and we don't like it. And, and they started grumbling about to God and to Moses. And God hears all things. How many of you know God is not deaf? He hears all things. God gets the report. He, he's got the daily news. You know, he, he knows what's going on uh, constantly. And here it says, uh, verse 5, And the people spoke against God and Moses. And they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there... For there is no food and no water, and we loathe, listen to this, we loathe this miserable food, where it says here, um, so they, you understand what they were saying here? What God provided for them, the manna from heaven that God provided, they began, they began to loathe it. You know what that means? That oh, The manna that God has given us, the word of God, we have to love this. We can never say, this is a burden. I don't want to study the Word. I don't want to read the Word. I don't want to meditate. It's too much for me. And that's like loathing the Word of God. And we can never do that. We've got to say, this is the Word of God. This is my life. This is my light. This is my joy. This is, this, I, I just want to eat this right up. I want to get as much of the Word of God as I can. That is what God wants you to do because God will be with you and walk with you and be your deliverer and savior in all. But when you loathe the Word of God, when you don't want to hear the Word of God anymore and you want to say, I, there's something better than, than that, that stuff. I, I just want to, I want to walk my own road. Then it says here, and, uh, uh, and Jehovah God sent fiery serpents among the people. And it says, and they bit the people and much of the people of Israel died. When you turn away from the word of God and you want to walk and live your own life, you know what's going to happen? The serpents, those things are going to bite you and the things of life are going to bite you and you're, you're going to wind up dying. It will kill you. And so, uh, and, uh, it says, and, and, uh, we, and then the people, once they realize, uh oh, Hey, we're starting to die here. This is no good. This choice we made isn't good. And then they cried out, they cried out to, to Moses. Again, every time they realize they're in, a, they're in a deep situation, they turn to God. Yeah, right? And they go back to God and they say, look, tell, tell them, Moses, we've sinned and we've spoken against Jehovah and against you. Pray to God that he'll take away the serpents from us that we can live. And Moses prayed for the people. And, and Moses says, all right, put a serpent on a stick, raise it up. And when they look on it, if they believe they look on it, then they will be healed. So God had mercy on them, even though they turned their back to God, turned their face to God, said, we loathe your word, your provision. And they turned their backs and they began to die and they found themselves in a terrible situation. Yet they turned to God and God could have just says, get out of here. I saved you once and look what you did. You turned your back on me. Get out of here. Don't even come into my presence. Did God say that to them? No, that's not the God that the Bible shows us. That is not the light of, that shows upon God. God is a God who will forgive you and have mercy upon you. And so he forgave them and he, and he lifted up uh, the serpent. So it says, whoever looks on that and believes that I will heal them, that they will be healed. And the Bible in John, the Gospel of John says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so that all who looked on it could be saved, so must, the, must not if, must the Son of Man, must Jesus be lifted up. That all who look upon him 
and say, Lord, I have sinned. Save me. I need, I need to be saved. I need to be rescued from this evil and wicked generation. Will you save me? The answer is yes, he will. He will come quickly to deliver you and be your Savior. So the Bible says that as Moses lifted up the serpent, we need to lift up Jesus, that all who look upon him will be saved. And if we go to Romans chapter number 1, I want you to look at this, verse number 16 uh, to 32. We're not going to go much longer, but I want you to look at this here. Romans chapter number 16, verse number 32. God is continually trying to reach out to save us. The choice is ours. Do we want to know the wickedness of this life and of this world and, or do we want to know the goodness of God, the mercy of God? Do we want to know that we're going to go on after this life to be with the Lord? But not only that, but in this life, God will help us and walk with us and, and just and show us everything that is true and good. And there's peace. In uh, Romans chapter number 16, uh, verse number 1, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter number 1, Romans 1, what did I say? Romans 1, verse number 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God of the salvation to everyone that believeth. If you believe on the Lord, it will save you. It's the power of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. You have two women here who lived a long time. They are not ashamed of Jesus Christ in their lives. They lived long enough to know that God has never left them nor forsaken them. I've lived long enough to know God has never left me nor forsaken me. I am not ashamed from the day I turned from what the wickedness that I was living, the day I turned and called upon the name of the Lord, and He came into my life, and the light went on, the light of truth, and I've walked in that truth all these many years. I've never had a desire to go back to that filth that I was once part of. To me, it's like puke. And I don't want to go back there because what I know and see now is much greater than what I've ever known back there. And so I'm walking in the light of God. And I'm never, I'm not ashamed, never was. And I know that God has been with me every day of my life. And I will continue all the days of my life to walk with the Lord because His Word is true. He is real. His presence is real. Heaven is real. The power of God is real. And I don't want some fluky, fakey stuff. I don't want some lies and deceptions of what people think is good. I want to know what, what really is good. And I found it. And I'm not going back. I'm going on. And like Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. And in verse number, uh, well, verse number 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We, God, reveals things to us that makes us go on from faith to faith, from truth to truth, to reality to reality. You, you want to, you want to, something that's real virtual reality, get into the Word of God. And you'll see, well, you'll learn what virtual reality really is. It's the Word of God, living with Christ. And verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There are those who love to do what they're doing that is wicked and evil in this world. There are people who love to kill other people for no reason at all. They love that. 
and they'll suppress the truth. They don't want to know the truth. They'll distort the truth. They'll say, uh, oh, I was temporarily insane, or I was this, or I was that. And they want to get out so they can do it again. They just love to do what they're doing. And they'll do anything they can to suppress the truth because they want to love the, the that. There's This life has those type of people in it who just want to know unrighteousness, do not want to, they'll, so, they'll suppress the truth. You try to tell them about Jesus and they don't want to hear it because they love what they're doing. They love to take lives, they love to steal and, and to rob and to kill what you worked hard for all your life. They don't have a problem trying to go and stealing it from you thinking it's, ha, look what I got. But the, they will reap their reward someday. They will someday reap their reward. But the Bible says that uh, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. You see, when we are born, God puts within every man and every woman, every child, He puts the seed, a seed of faith. So that in you, if you look inwardly and really want to know the truth about life and about God, it is there. It's like a little spark. When you know like that little piece on the on a match, you know that little uh, piece of sulfur that's on the match head? It's a little thing, isn't it? But if you strike it on something, it ignites a flame. And that flame can ignite something, can ignite a big, huge fire. And so in each and every one of us is like that little match head. And if you want to know the truth, if you say, Lord, I want to know the truth, guess what? It's like striking that little match in you on a, on a hard thing and all of a sudden... It ignites and the truth starts to illuminate within you and you start to say, wow, you know, I never seen that before. Why? Because God is making it real to you. And so God says they knew it was evident within them. There's a something in, in each of us that wants to know the truth. But the choice, the choice is ours as whether we want to suppress it or not. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. There's, that's your verse for evolutionists. You look at nature, you look at the life around you, and when you try to examine it, it alone tells you there has to be someone greater than me and you who made and put all this stuff together. It's like saying that there was an explosion in a printing press, and out of that explosion came Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. How absurd is that? Or in a watch factory, there was an explosion in a watch factory that had all parts, and out of that explosion came a beautiful Swiss watch. Is that reasonable to think, or is that absurd? That's Big Bang. It's absurd. The explosion in the printing press is a Big Bang theory. It's, it's absurd. God organized all things and set everything in order. And when you look at the world around you, you have to look upward and say, Wow, there has to be a God in heaven who made all of this. Has to be. And so he said, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him or worship Him as God, and they didn't give Him thanks. They, this says they became futile in their speculations, in their vain imaginations of what probably happened and what probably came, and they refused to acknowledge God or honor Him. And so it says their foolish heart was darkened. And it says that their heart was darkened. They darkened their own heart because there was a light in there. You see, God puts a light in there. You say, well, what, doesn't God want everyone to know? Yes, He does. So He had a little light of hope in there, but they darkened it because of their 
refusal to acknowledge refusal to acknowledge God, to worship Him, and to give Him thanks. And so it says, professing, thinking that they were wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for the for the glory of incorruptible man. And it goes on to say that they gave they gave themselves. It goes on to say we don't have time. But if you go on to read that, it says that they made choices that the deeper they went away from God, the more they put their hand up to not knowing God, the deeper they went the other way into sin. And it says God gave them over to the fornications, the lust, all the perversions. It says men lying with men and giving up the natural uh, desire for a woman. They burned with desire for men for men. And it says they that happened upon them because they choose not to know God or to walk in His ways. Read it. That's what it says in that chapter. But... Chapter number, Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, it says that God, when you're saved, God produces good stuff in your life. He gives you a new birth. He gives you a whole new life, a, a clean slate. It's like if you had a... Uh, uh, points on your driver's license. If you had, and your driver's license was taken away or just ready to get taken away, it's like somebody steps in and say, know what, take all these points right off their record and they have a clean driving record. And that's what God does to us. He steps into our life and He wipes the slate clean when we go to Him. He says, whatever, whatever they did in the past, I don't, I've never heard about it. I, I've never seen it. It's clean slate. And you go on from there with the Lord. And so He gives us a new life. He establishes faith in us. He gives us uh, uh, the, the light and the truth shines and we faith arises and we go. As we study the Word of God and read the Word of God, we go from faith to faith. We go from grade one to grade two to grade three. We get elevated and the higher we go, the more we know about God, the less Someone or something can shake us because we know what we know is true. And no lie can ever come and rob the truth when you know the truth. And so he gives us that. He sets us free. He gives us a peace. People in this life look for peace so badly. Inner peace. Because you start worrying about what's going to happen. Should I take a plane? Should I go on a train? Should I take a bus? Should I, you know, I'm afraid to travel. People start living in fear and unrest. They can't sleep at night. They have bad dreams. And they're, 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 their whole life, what's the use of living? And so God comes into our life and He gives us a peace. The Bible says that passeth all understanding. So He's not only a Savior that saves us and washes away our sin, but He's a continual Savior. He continually, every day, saves us from the turmoils of this world. Every day He fills our life with peace. He wipes, He fills, every day He washes us clean. Remember the Bible says that that His compassions are new every morning. So He is not just a Savior who saved us the day we got saved at Calvary, but today we need Him. Today we see Him as a Savior delivering me from fears and delivering me from the worries and anxieties and stresses and the uncertainties of this life. He delivers me. He saves me from that. He gives me a peace, a, a hope, and a joy that no one, not money, not things can buy. I can't. I, you could give me the best computer and the fanciest car, and that is not going to do it for me. You know, there are multimillionaires who jump off buildings, who commit suicide, who take guns to their heads, who overdose because they can't find what really satisfies in life. 
And so money and, and prestige and fame doesn't do it. Movie stars try and run around with, with all kinds of husbands and they die frustrated and, and unhappy and miserable. Their children run off. And so only God satisfies and gives peace. He's the savior of our every day. He saves us every day of our life. He really, he, he delivers us. And, uh, he feeds us. He, 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 he nourishes us. And in Romans 15, verse number 29, just two more verses. Uh, Romans 15, verse number 29. He's a wonderful Savior. And I know that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. You see, when God saved us, He didn't save us to give us bits and pieces of His love to bits and pieces of crumbs of his mercy. He didn't give us the, the, the leftovers of, of grace or, or, or joy. God comes with the fullness. The, the word of God, the Savior Jesus, the word of God comes with full blessing. Jesus says, I've come that your joy may be full. He didn't say, I've come to fill your tank halfway. I'll give you $2 worth of gas. Pull into the gas station and tell them I gave you $2 worth of gas. And then go on your journey. I hope you make it. God bless you. God says, fill up the tank. Go and fill up the tank and, and, and have a safe journey. God is with us. He comes to give us the fullness of joy in this life. He's a Savior who saves us continually. He saved us yesterday. He saved us today. And guess what? If we wake up tomorrow, He's going to be there to deliver us through that day. He's an ongoing Savior, and He wants to be our Lord. He wants us to follow. And we're going to close with this. Acts chapter 13, verses 46 through 49. We're going to end with this verse. What a wonderful Savior and Lord we have. Acts chapter 13, verses... Uh, four. That's, uh, that's okay. That's a sign by the door. Don't worry. Acts chapter 13, verse number 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Since you repudiated it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are? You and I. You see, the word of God went to those, to, to, to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, and many, some received, but others rejected it. And so God, God has come to us this morning that there is a wonderful Savior who has not only redeemed us on Calvary's cross, but He's here to save us and redeem us every day, to deliver us from the, 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 the situations and circumstances of life. That's why we pray. That's why we believe God. Because He is a continual deliverer. He is a continual Savior of our soul, our spirit, and our body. He saves us spirit, soul, and body. And so it says, today, the Word has been proclaimed to us. And do we all here today, do we know Jesus as our Savior and Lord? Have we said, yes, Lord, I want out of this wickedness, this evil generation. I want to get out of knowing what I know, and I want to know the truth. I want to know that which will set me free. I want to know the joys of your salvation. I want to follow you. I want to learn of you. I want to, I want to, come, to come out of this darkness and into your light. Does anyone here come to that place where you want to say, Jesus, 
I want to come out of it knowing what I know. And I want to know your love and your truth and your mercy. How many of us here have asked Jesus Christ into our life? If Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, just raise your hand. And if he's not, I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you this morning to come up here with me and I will pray with you. And you can ask Jesus Christ into your life to know his joy, to know his truth, to know his love and mercies that will carry you through this life. And if you don't know Jesus, if you have never made that commitment in, in publicly in your life, you're not going to be embarrassed. Just come up here and by coming, stand and say, I want you into my life. The Word of God says that Jesus paid a precious price for us. He was brutalized on Calvary's cross. He took on more than we could ever imagine because He loved you. He loved us. And He says, I publicly went on display to die for you, to be crucified. Every eye seen me, and I wasn't ashamed of it. And Jesus says, the Word of God, I'm not saying the Word of God says it. The Bible says that if we are ashamed of Jesus publicly, that He will be ashamed of us when we stand before the presence of God. And so that's why every one of us here has has stood up at some point in time. I remember the day I stood up. I heard the gospel and I stood up. And uh, I went forward and I said, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Nobody had to tell me I was a sinner. I knew it. Randy, you didn't have to come and tell me I was a sinner. Not that you did. But I knew it. And I knew I knew I wanted something different. And I said, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And I stood up because I wasn't ashamed. And Jesus changed my life. Turned my life around in a moment. And that can happen to you. If you've never asked Him into your life, just come and say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me, and be my Savior. Anyone want to do that this morning? Anyone?